for some of us, we can really kind of grow a lot in this, you know, because if it's like going, man, like I kind of deal with discomfort by just filling my life up with busyness and noise. And now we're in a time period where that's actually like really hard to do. So for some people, I know that that has looked like, okay, I'm going to watch as much Netflix as I can. I'm going to start that new podcast that I've always dreamed of. I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. So we try and fill it up and we try and do the same kind of old technique just in this period when this period might offer us like what you described of, man, what if we want to cope differently? What if we want to take this time and go, man, you know what? The, the hardest thing for me might actually be to slow down. You know, and this time period kind of gives me an opportunity if I'm paying attention to try and cope in a much different way than I typically do with life. You're listening to the Trait Love on Our Arms podcast, a show about mental health and the things that make us human. Each episode, we'll be talking about the things that can often feel hard to talk about, like depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. We'll be sharing stories and exploring big themes like hope, healing, and recovery. Hey, everybody. This is Chad Moses. I'm Tuoloha's Director of Outreach and Experience. Over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing a bit more from me. Uh, usually, my job takes me across state lines, traveling across international borders, to music festivals, to events, to communities where I get to introduce people to Tuoloha, uh, really kind of going with the message that it's okay to talk about mental health and in the hopes of connecting people to local mental health resources right from our own tent. But due to the ever-changing state of the world, like so many of you, I'm finding myself spending way more time at home than usual. Nevertheless, conversations about hard things, about hopeful things, and about the things that make us human will not be canceled. We hope you'll tune in as we release new special episodes during this time. And today, uh, we have a special guest. His name is Aaron Moore. Uh, Aaron has been a friend of Tualoha since before there was even an organization, since before this was a movement. He's a licensed mental health counselor practicing in Orlando, Florida, and I consider him a friend. Uh, Aaron, good to hear from you, man. How, how are you doing? How's the family doing right now? I consider you a good friend as well, my friend. No, man, we are, uh, we are doing okay. Uh, we're doing all right. I am, um, I'm sitting here in Orlando, and we have been working. Um, you know, Many of y'all know my wife, Michelle, as well. Uh, like Chad said, we've been working with Trite Love on Our Arms since really, uh, really since the beginning. And this crew has been dear friends of ours. And so, uh, but we've been working, we've been uh, able to still see clients thanks to the wonders of technology. So Michelle's a counselor as well. So we've been working pretty much, uh, pretty much full time and doing that and figuring out how to teach second grade to our twin second graders who are home now every day, all day, all day. Two second graders at the same time. Two second graders at the same time, man. So that's like, it's like a thing. Uh, so, so we're, but thankfully, I mean, we've, we've been able to kind of balance schedules and, and trade off, you know, who's, you know, doing video counseling sessions and, and balance all that. And so, so it's been working. So we're making it. Orlando's hanging in there. We're doing all right. Right on, man. Well, it's, uh, I, I, of course, any other week we would have found a, a great time to to find each other to, to grab some coffee. But um, mm-hmm. my wife, Miranda, was just talking about, you know, 
thank goodness we live in an age where we can hop on a, a shared website and, <laughs> and have a conversation right. that's recorded for the masses. So uh, I'll just let that magic kind of wash over this entire conversation. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's it's really the elephant in the room that uh, what we're experiencing now is so much different than what we thought we were going to experience two weeks ago, four weeks ago, two months ago, you know, uh, on January 1st, when we brought in the new year, like we had so many hopes and dreams, not just personally, but for the organization. And, um, you know, a lot of that has, has changed. Uh, it feels like it's changing every night overnight. So, I mean, I think obviously, uh, people aren't always wired to deal with change, uh, super (laughs) gracefully, uh, that's going to come with uh, different hurdles. So I guess let's start pretty broad. How are you seeing people's mental health impacted by, by this pandemic? Yeah, yeah. man. Uh, it, I mean, it, in some ways that is, it is really broad. I mean, it really is a wild time, right? And, and I mean, there's a million things we could say. I mean, a couple thoughts uh, to kind of get us going here. Uh, I think, you know, most of us by this point, you know, I mean, we're, we're recording this. I think today's the 14th. Um, so we're a few weeks into this at this point, you know, and, and I think because we're a few weeks into it, we're a few weeks into the news cycle of it. And we're also a few weeks into kind of the processing of it. Uh, and then because of that, uh, as people have been processing it, they've also been, you know, kind of sharing those thoughts. And so I think many of us uh, now have probably seen the mainstream media stories about, you know, is the quarantine and coronavirus contributing to negative mental health? Is it contributing to anxiety? Is it contributing to depression? Uh, and, and I think, obviously, I mean, most of us would say, well, yes, of course. You know, I, I mean, I think the thing is, we don't take something uh, that is this kind of upending to our normal life. You know, meaning, I mean, it flips kind of our normal everyday upside down in many ways. Uh, we don't walk through this and have it not create some significant disruption, you know, kind of in our life. And, and for some of us, you know, if we've struggled with kind of anxiety or depression, things like that in the past, uh, you'd go through a period like this and it's, there's going to be a good possibility that some of those things might resurface or they might get stronger. Some of those struggles, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about this has been something that's been really heavy for the addiction community. Um, you know, especially the the recovery community that one of the one of the pillars of the recovery uh, community is actually face to face time with other people in recovery. And we've all just been put into a whole period where we're told not to really be face to face with anybody. Um, you know, so really, I mean, a way to think of it is the things in which, uh, you know, we kind of build our days around. You know, and for some people that might be going to AA meetings. For some of us, it's just going to the office. For some of us, it's just going to class. Uh, you know, for some of us, it's just hanging out with friends. Those are the things that have been, those have been kind of like the main steady, you know, pieces of our day and of our life. And those have been stripped away. You know, those have been the things that have actually been, you know, kind of taken from us. And I was actually on a call earlier today and a friend of mine, he said, man, he said, the thing is, he said, we're actually, it's not even that we can't really connect with people. It's that we're actually being told to keep distance. I was just thinking as you were, you know, kind of going through that, um, just kind of what does therapy look like in the everyday days? You know, what does therapy look like in the mundane and just realizing how much, uh, 
a simple act of saying good morning to someone that you expect to see daily, uh, that is therapy in and of itself. That's something that keeps you grounded. That's something that kind of wakes you up from, you know, just from from slumber, whether that's literally waking up and starting your day or, or whether that's just kind of getting out of, I don't know, just kind of a, a cycle of numbness for some people. I'm, I remember, you know, kind of walking through my own depressive episodes. Sometimes a good morning was the thing that, you know, the hope of hearing a good morning was the thing that got me out of bed that day was just hoping to be noticed. So yeah, man, like it sounds so simple, but that is so profound. Um, well, those are the things that those little pieces are the pieces that kind of order our days, you know? And I think, I mean, we're doing a pretty good job. I think in society, as we process this, there's some wonderful articles and resources. You guys have done a great job at putting stuff out there. There's some wonderful stuff that just speaks to, Hey, this is, um, this is really disruptive, you know, the, and especially when we're talking about emotions that surround, you know, the coronavirus, like we talk about just the fear of it, you know, and, and for some of us, that fear is more present than it is for others. You know, for, for any of our friends that live um, in New York City, that fear became very, uh, very visceral and present for them much faster than it did for many of us. Right. You know, uh, and, and I actually, you know, I know some people personally that, that have, you know, coronavirus, but I was on the, on a call earlier today with a friend who said, I still don't know anyone who has it. It still doesn't feel real. I'm just in my house all the time, you know? And I think that's one thing that's just really, it's really confusing in some ways about all of this, uh, because as we kind of process through it, it, nobody's kind of living necessarily the same experience as somebody else. Yeah. And so one of the phrases that you've heard, you know, kind of talked about this time is that, uh, you know, our friend Nico that works with us, uh, she, she used the phrase the other day, you know, we think of it as collective trauma, right? Um, that we're going through a societal um, collective trauma, meaning that we're all going through something that is extremely disruptive to the normal flow of our life. And it activates our entire entire self, our nervous system, our emotional self, our cognitive self, and it flips a lot of stuff upside down. And one of the things that, you know, I mean, this is a, a big topic and we're barely touching the surface, but and one of the things about trauma is when we walk through trauma, uh, we naturally, or well, not naturally, but one of the ways in which we find healing uh, is through connecting with other people. And we're walking through this very strange time of collective trauma where we are actually really struggling to connect to people. So let's let's lean into that for a second. So like you said this is unique in that like the the sense of isolation is is virtually mandated. So what are some of the unique challenges or dangers that you think we all kind of face collectively or maybe even individually yeah. as we attempt to cope with this super unique combination of anxiety and isolation? You know, some things that come to mind are, uh, you know, checking out or, or finding ways to, to numb yourself, self-medicating. Uh, maybe it's sinking into the news feed. I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, I guess from from your perspective, what are some of the kind of red flags that we should be aware of? What are those challenges? I actually feel like the majority of people I've talked to have actually underestimated the emotional toll that this is taking on them. Some people are not. Some people are very aware. But for most of us, I think we're actually kind of unaware of how uh, just, well, and maybe just to the, the degree to which we are being affected here emotionally. Uh, because 
you know, you go through something, whether we want, whether you want to call it trauma or not, right? Um, you go through something uh, that's extremely disruptive, uh, extremely painful, right? Uh, and when you go through it, you're naturally affected. Uh, but if I go through something that you know that is traumatic, um, if I get, you know, if I if I get, for lack of a better term, if I get if I get chased by a tiger. Because everybody talks about tigers now. I mean, we're in the age of. Yeah, you know, no, that's, uh, you're totally not even going to go there, but it's very, very topical. Um, so, but if I get chased by a tiger, right? Uh, you know, I, my whole nervous system is going to kick in. My fight or flight response is going to kick in. I'm going to get amped up. All these things are going to happen, and I am not going to be under any confusion as to why I feel the way I feel. You know, nobody who's just been chased by a tiger goes, "Oh my gosh, why is my heart beating so fast?" Um, nobody who's just been chased by a tiger goes, oh my gosh, why am I sweating? I don't understand. My point is visible, present threats are much clearer than what we're experiencing right now. And so one of the things that I keep finding coming up in my conversations with people um, is just this realization of like, man, this is so disruptive to everything about us. You know, people are kind of saying, man, I don't know why I feel nervous all the time. Well, you know, maybe I'm nervous all the time because I'm watching you know, news and I'm reading social media all day long and I'm taking in information that tells me that I'm in danger and I have no way to actually work out any of that energy or work out any of that stress or work out any of that tension. And it, it kind of messes with our head. Like, you know, cause when you're like, when you look around and you're like, I don't know why I'm tired. All I did was watch Netflix all day. But we're not, as people, we're not built to just watch Netflix all day. And especially when we're going through something that strikes fear in us, like we have to actually work that energy out. We have to talk about it with people. We have to process it. And I think for most people, we're not seeing the degree to which this stuff has kind of built up and is taking an emotional toll. And when we're not, you gave some great examples, man, uh, that when we're not aware of how we're being affected we're much more likely to just fall into some negative coping. You know, when I don't realize that this really is striking some fear in me, or I don't realize that, hey, you know, without going to school or without going to work, without seeing people, I kind of feel a little lost. I feel aimless. I feel ineffective. You know, if I don't realize those things, I'm way more likely to just kind of stumble into ways to self-medicate that discomfort. You know, and maybe that's with drinking. Maybe that is with Netflix all day. Um, you know, I, I know some people that, that I've talked to, you know, the, their biggest self-medicating piece has been, okay, you know what I'm going to do this quarantine? I'm going to work out twice a day and I'm going to come out of the quarantine, you know, 30 pounds less or with 20 pounds more muscle than I was when it started. And that can actually be like an unhealthy way of coping. So, I mean, I think if, if we're not clear, you know, if we're, if we're not getting in touch with emotionally what's going on in me as I'm going through all this. Uh, then I'm going to find myself just kind of grasping and, you know, kind of just accepting and stumbling into some possibly really unhealthy coping. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's so much of the the term of self-medicating. The The problem is that you are only, you know, allowing one voice uh, into the conversation, right? You are doing this by yourself where, you know, a proper treatment plan is going to be conducted under uh, kind of the review of, of a professional of people trying to uh, be an objective eye to, to the situation. So you, you listed a, a bunch of ways that it can manifest, whether that's through exercise or maybe that's through uh, you know, food consumption, maybe that's through media consumption, you, know, you name it. What are ways that, that you recommend people uh, 
avoiding the self-medicating part of it? What are ways that we can, I guess, kind of be our siblings keepers through this? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, a couple of thoughts. One um, is I do think, you know, you keep using the word connection and community. And I think in this, we need to continuously seek that out. I think we have to continuously seek that out. And we might have to seek it out in some ways that are not necessarily the first ones coming to mind. I mean, it's it's totally like trendy right now to do like Zoom, you know, meetups and hangouts and Zoom happy hours and all that stuff. And it's really, really, really good, right? Uh, because, you know, I mean, that, that there's some connection there. You know, I mean, thankfully, man, uh, I mean, without technology, you know, I mean, we'd be missing out on a lot of what we're able to kind of lean on right now. I think it is important to for us to check in and go, okay, how connected am I feeling in that? Am I feeling kind of seen and heard and understood? Um, because sometimes, you know, I think uh, part of the problem with technology stuff is it gives us kind of the, the shallow reflection of connection uh, without a lot of depth. And, and I, I read some stuff, you know, earlier this week. Um, just cause I, I was having a ton of conversations with people who were like, I don't know why I'm so tired. And as we're talking about it, they're doing like seven hours of like zoom meetings a day. And, I, and I've heard this from therapists too, who are like, why is doing like video sessions? Like, why does it feel it like takes a different energy out of me? It's weird. Like I'm like wearing shorts and flip flops and I'm like pretty chill, but I'm still feeling this energy, you know, and it's different. Uh, and, and I read some interesting thoughts on it earlier this week where they were talking about that we get a little bit of connection like through the screen, but a lot of the things that happen, even in our body, you know, uh, neurologically and chemically, the things that happen when we're in the presence of another person, yeah, you know, all those, all those things that, you know, happen physiologically and intangibly, you know, those things don't necessarily happen through a screen. So uh, that to say, I think we got to kind of go, man, Hey, this is good. And it might be better than nothing, but after that Zoom call, do I need to like, do I need to call my sister and get on the phone with my sister and, you know, and, and have a conversation with somebody who I can tell by the sound of their voice gets me, you know, um, are there people that I need to reach out to that get me more than others? Um, and, you know, and so I think, I think we need to check in and, and draw ourselves back and go, okay, man, how do, how do I need to connect? Cause we all need that at some level. Um, and so we need to kind of go, man, I, I might need that. A am I getting that? A and if we're going, man, I'm not, then we might go, wow, okay, how have I been medicating that? Have I just been kind of just checking out, like that phrase you used earlier, have I just been numbing myself out, you know, with food or, you know, with food or sex or alcohol or Netflix or whatever? Um, and what am I doing to kind of just dull that ache? Sometimes when we kind of look at it and go, man, I've been working out more than I was and, and it feels like I'm kind of either chasing something or running from something. You know I mean? I think it's always a helpful thing to go, man, the coping mechanisms that I'm employing, are they helping me be more present or are they helping me escape? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the everyday struggle, right? To connect the, the why we're doing something and the how we're doing something, you know, uh, or the, the why and the what. Uh, yeah. you, you definitely want to make sure that that's uh, a dialogue, that it's not just going one direction. It's hard sometimes to, okay, what's the feeling underneath this? That might be difficult for us. We can go, hey, am I struggling to feel grounded and present? 
am I just checking out? Am I using these things to kind of check out from what I'm feeling? Or when I do these things, do they actually help me be more present? Like if I go on a long run, am I a better, am I a better husband and dad and friend and roommate uh, when I get back? Or when I get back, am I still checked out and moving on to the next thing? You know, and so I, I think those are some of the questions that we can kind of ask. And and honestly, the, the other piece is if, if we're kind of connecting with people and we have some good relationships with some people, especially if you are quarantining with someone, uh, they they might have a pretty good radar on if you're checked out or if you're pretty present. You know, so sometimes like those connecting conversations can be helpful because they end up helping us go, okay, yeah, I, I think I'm, I might be more lonely or be more fearful. This might be stressing me out more than I thought. Well, I think that that's actually a pretty good uh, segue into the opposite side of the coin. Like we've been talking so far about what we're missing as far as interpersonal connection, but is there a different side of that coin? Are there ways uh, that you perceive that this isolation can help people, you know, people that require solitude, people that really have been aching for some space or, or just the, a desire to slow down for a bit. It has been really cool to just be kind of home cooking dinner with my wife and kids every night. You know, um, I think especially I realized this first couple of weeks, I was like, man, we're just sitting in the front yard a lot in the evening. And it helped that it was like beautiful weather outside. And Florida was freaking kicking ass this time of year. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that really made it easy. But I was like, man, this is this is really nice. Like we're, we're really kind of soaking up some time and it was really cool. I think the catch is, you know, everything in it kind of, you know, can bring some good stuff and it can also bring some difficulty. I think the more kind of present we can be with ourselves, the more we can recognize the things that this like time period kind of can show us. I mean, this might be taking this question a little sideways, but it's been on my mind. Like one thing, this phrase that I kept seeing in the past few weeks, everybody's like, oh man, these are unprecedented times. These are unprecedented times. Nobody's ever been through anything like this before. And I'm like, Yes, completely. I get it. Like I've never been quarantined with the, the rest of the world before. Like it's, although like this is my favorite Orlando traffic season ever. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, I was like, Orlando's not bad. Um, but we're in it, right? But here's the thing. Um, I really feel like, well, as much as these times are unprecedented, the ways that we're coping with it are not. Yeah. Like most of us, like what you do is what you do. Like how you cope with the pain of life and the difficulty of being you is what you do. Just now we have been put in a time period where there are no buffers. So what we do to cope for most of us has now like kind of like been put on blast. Like, you know, if, if the only tool in your tool belt before was a hammer, and so you like to hammer kind of every problem, now you're hammering the shit out of everything. Does that make sense? I mean, I feel like that's a big thing because yeah, we go, man, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with me. Well, for many of us, what we're doing with this is just an extreme version of what we've done with problems and difficult seasons in the past. So a cool thing this, this time period can do is it kind of highlights a little bit of like our stuff and it highlights a little bit of how we deal with pain and how we deal with discomfort. And so I just think it, it, it does kind of offer like, uh, like, you know, you're kind of asking about what are the good things that can come out of this for some of us, we can really kind of grow a lot in this, you know, because if it's like going, man, like 
I kind of deal with discomfort by just filling my life up with busyness and noise. And now we're in a time period where that's actually like really hard to do. So for some people, I know that that has looked like, okay, I'm going to watch as much Netflix as I can. I'm going to start that new podcast that I've always dreamed of. I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. So we try and fill it up and we try and do the same kind of old technique just in this period when this period might offer us like what you described of, man, what if we want to cope differently? What if we want to take this time and go, man, you know what? The, the hardest thing for me might actually be to slow down, you know, and this time period kind of gives me an opportunity if I'm paying attention to try and cope in a much different way than I typically do with life. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's continue riding that train a little bit further. Those were some really incredible perspectives. As we begin this journey, you know, if we lean into this isolation as a gift, uh, if, if that's uh, possible to kind of self-analyze a little bit to, you know, kind of keep track of our patterns and see, um, you know, what our norms are, then what are some ways that we can understand, I guess, what's an appropriate response to anxiety or to change versus, you know, potentially long-term problems that, that could just be taking root or maybe they've always been there. And uh, this is now just kind of the opportunity where there's, like you said, less of a buffer. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, for, for people that are experiencing anxiety, um, what are some ways that we can, I guess, set up some, some proper guardrails to make sure that the ways we're coping um, are, are healthy and that they don't turn into potentially long-term risk factors. One way we can put it, if we want to start very microscopic, is uh, we have been told by cartoons and by talking heads to wash your hands. These are memes. We have celebrities telling us different methods to wash our hands. Uh, Washing your hands and personal hygiene, those are, are good things. But if we allow that to go unchecked, if we allow that anxiety to become the driver of the behavior, we could wind up with something akin to hypochondria, right? Like, I guess, what are ways that we can self-analyze in appropriate ways to make sure that we emerge from this as healthier people? I mean, I'd say that there's a sense where we want to check in, you know, we want to check in with ourselves. We want to check in and be able to kind of go, man, are the things that I'm doing creating more disruption in my life? And there's a big difference. I mean, probably a better word would be, you know, are, are, the, are the things that I'm doing to cope with this time period, um, are they creating more dysfunction? And inconvenience is different than dysfunction. And an example is, um, you know, per- personally, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of being told to wash my hands. I am washing my hands, everyone, just so we're clear. Um, I have hand sanitizer on my desk right now. Um, but man, like that, you know, just... <laughs> The, I mean, on the way um, to you know record this, um, I because I'm allowed to come to my office. Nobody's here. Uh, I was driving like the three blocks to my office, and the radio was on. And, and Billie Eilish was actually really telling me very, very passionately. She was very excited, telling me that I had to wash my hands. Um, and I was like, "Dang, okay." But I think there's those good things that we're doing. Um, but when they start to become more of the focus than the problem itself. Um, our coping is coping. When our coping becomes more of a focus than the thing that we're trying to cope with, that's kind of a telltale sign. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I think we have to kind of ask ourselves, man, if I'm exercising to the point that I'm like literally hurting my body, is this a good thing? If I've stayed in bed and I've literally just Netflixed for 10 hours, 
um, two days in a row, at what point am I kind of going, man, I might be using what's a fine thing to cope with. Because everything we're listing are actually fine things to cope with uh, or fine things to take part in, I should say. Um, but when we're using them to, to mask, to dull emotions that we're carrying, then most likely they're going to become more dysfunctional down the road. You know, so I think it's helpful for us to, you know, think in terms of, you know, what level of kind of their own disruption are the coping mechanisms causing. And for some of us, you know, some of all that are listening to that go, man, I'm just watching Netflix. It's not costing me anything. And I'm going to go, man, uh, well, it probably is because if we're overdoing that, there are other needs that we have that are not being met. You know, if, if all my coping is being done in complete isolation alone with no connection, even via phone or Zoom or whatever, uh, if all of my coping is being done in that, then there's no connection needs that are being met. Right. So even, you know, we have to kind of go, okay, well, they don't seem like the worst things in the world, but there's still a cost, you know, because there's other emotional needs we have that are not being cared for and not being met. I kind of want to explore a little bit about inside versus outside dynamics, you know, what's happening under my roof versus what's happening under someone else's roof. Uh, So we got a couple of questions over some of our previous Instagram lives that we've been doing um, that we think could really use a good professional's point of view. So last week, someone asked, how do I navigate feelings of despair and anxiety when I know I should be thankful because so many others have it worse than I do? And what initially struck me about this question is that I've become familiar with this question uh, when there hasn't been a pandemic. You know, people um, saying, you know, is is my depression really worth it? Uh, focusing on when someone else has it way worse, you know? So I I think this is interesting that um, this conversation is an old conversation, just kind of with a new gloss on it, but, but have at it, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm right with you. I mean, all all the events and stuff we've done over the years, that is, that is one of the most common questions I think we've heard um, through all of the stuff we've done with Trey Love over the years. And it's that, the idea of, okay, why can't I kind of be grateful? You know, when I I look at everything I have, um, but yet I feel despair. You know, I feel sadness. I feel that weight. Uh, And I would say, uh, one, like, um, there's a lot of people feeling despair right now. Uh, One of the reasons why is um, a lot has been lost. You know, for many of us, the despair that you're carrying, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you're carrying some of that right now, if you're feeling some of that, uh, I I would really want to validate that despair because I think that despair is probably really connected to a lot of grief. And grief is painful. You know, grieving, in my opinion, grieving is like the human process from that takes us from one reality to a new reality and usually one that we didn't choose. And so grief doesn't really, you know, obviously some things are heavier than others, but grief doesn't really care. Uh, you know, grief kind of shows up because something that matters to us has changed, is lost. Um, you know, and, and so I think there's a large part where the despair that many of us are feeling right now uh, is the loss of some of the things that we love, some of the things that are the normal pieces of our lives, some of the things that help us feel at home in my own skin and in my in the in my home, right? Um, and so I think I think we got to validate those emotions. Um, you know, often I think many of us. You know, we, I was kind of exposed to some of this growing up too, uh, this idea that we really need to kind of be thankful. You know, there's a starving child somewhere, so be thankful for what's on your plate and eat it all, right? Uh, that whole old thing. And 
I think it, for some of us, that was an, a real effort, you know, that maybe teachers or, you know, mentors or parents, whoever kind of made to teach us gratitude, but we didn't learn gratitude actually. Um, we, what we learned was to be dismissive uh, and, and real gratitude doesn't dismiss what we have or what we're going through. You know, and I think often we're going, oh man, I should just feel thankful because somebody has it worse. And that is like saying, man, um, you know, if I fall and break my arm, I should just be thankful that I didn't break both arms. Well, my arm is still broken. Yeah. You know, so yeah, of course I'm thankful that I didn't break both arms, but damn, this arm really hurts and that's really relevant and that's a big deal. Um, And so, I, I mean, I think we have to find the freedom to validate yeah, this junk is really hard. This junk is really hard. And I say that as like a 40-year-old white guy, you know, who I'm aware I have a lot of privilege in this. I have a lot of privilege in this, you know, and I'm going to soapbox for 10 seconds, so just let me do it. Um, You know, there's a thing where, you know, the the whole phrase is one of the articles that's making its way around now, you know, is all about, you know, just calls this time the great pause, you know, and I'm like, dang it, dude, like, I know a lot of people that this is not a pause. They are working their butts off right now. And if they're not working, it is super stressful because they're not working. Like, you know, and so don't buy into that because, you know, you, because you got some privilege going your way, because you got some good things happening, that does not save you from grief. That does not save you from despair. You know, that just might mean there might be a little bit more in a bank account, whatever. Um, but, we can be thankful and grieving and in despair at the exact same time. Despair does not mean we're not thankful, does not mean we're not showing gratitude. We can show gratitude and, and have a ton of thankfulness for the things that we have and the things we've been given and still give ourselves the freedom and the self-compassion to honor the pain that we're in. They are not, they don't go against each other. Dude, I love that so much. Just, you know, kind of taking the time to acknowledge, like, Feelings aren't good or bad, right? They, Dude, they, totally. The feeling is what it is, and it's worth acknowledging what it is, how severe it is, and when it's happening. Uh, otherwise, like you said, you know, it turns into just being dismissive of it. Like no one likes to be ignored, and and I'd say that probably our own emotions are the same way. <laughs> no one, no emotion uh, deserves to be ignored. Well, and I think like you got a great point, man, um, in just the language that you're using of, you know, compassion, right? Uh, that there's a sense where, I, I mean, I think one of the things that's coming out of this time uh, for many of us is a lot of like hyper judgmentalism on ourselves, uh, you know, a lot. And, and for many of us, like that's kind of a thing that may be something that you just tend to struggle with or tend to do, um, you know, to be hard on yourself or kind of judgmental of yourself. And so in this time, I think that kind of gets put on blast a little bit. You know, we do it even more, um, you know, where it's like, man, I shouldn't be feeling this. I should, I should be doing this. I should be, you know, whatever, whatever. And that kind of judgment about a feeling, you know, that kind of judgment about an emotion that we experience is the opposite of helpful. And it, all, it is also, it's the opposite of compassionate. We can shoot, we can choose how we respond to emotions when they come up, you know, I can't make grief not hurt, but I can choose to share that grief with people around me. I can choose to honor it. I can choose to respect it. Um, I can choose to give myself the freedom to feel and then choose to deal with that in healthy ways, you know, so we have some say in that, 
But when we're meeting these like feelings and things we're going through with that amount of like judgment and self self critique, uh, it, it really is just really hurtful to ourselves, and it doesn't get us any to any kind of a healthier place to be able to find healthy ways to cope. You know, I mean, it usually just ends up us kind of shaming ourselves. You mentioned earlier that you know grief is a response to something that we didn't choose, uh, and I'd say for. Uh, you know, depression and anxiety that kind of works on similar loops. Uh, you can't always put a finger on where that uh, anxiety or sense of depression came from. These are, are sensations that you did not choose. What are some things that we can choose? What are some practical tools or things that we can do right now? If, if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling over grieved or I'm feeling over anxious, what are some practical things we can do to, to walk through those sensations and feelings? Well, we said earlier, you know, when we think in terms of connection and community, I think finding some people that can hear what we're experiencing, you know, finding whether that's friends, whether that's family, whether that, whether that is an online, you know, recovery meeting, whatever, finding some people that want to hear what our experience is in this time right? Regardless of the medium that you find them in, you know, if you got to find them on freaking Xbox, do it. Like find some people that you can be curious about their experience and they can be curious about yours. Um, because we need to feel seen and heard in this, even if it's not as seen as heard as seen and as heard as we would really long for, we need something. So I think, I think that that's a big piece because, uh, you know, that kind of piece of community, you know, especially when we think in terms of trauma and collective trauma, we heal in community because community helps me actually like identify my sense of self helps me actually, it reflects back to me, my experience so that I can understand it better. And, and I can understand the place in the story and the narrative that I'm living. And so I think we offer that, to, we need to offer that to some others and we can actually ask them to offer that to us. Beyond that, go into like a, a more personal place. Um, I do think asking questions of like, how are you physically taking care of yourself while you walk through this? That's important. That is really important. Um, and right now there are some people who are going to be listening to this who are just like, oh dude, kicking ass at that, taking care of myself really well, worked out three hours today. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I get it. And Chad, I know you have been running probably more than you typically run. You don't know this yet, but I'm a runner now. <laughs> For some of us, uh, you know, if I, if I've struggled with using exercise as an unhealthy coping mechanism, some of us are, might be overdoing it right now. If you struggle with an eating disorder that may be showing up. If you struggle with body image and like food restriction stuff that may be showing up, you know? Um, so when we think about how am I caring for myself well, we need to go, okay, is this helping me? Could I be overdoing it? Could I be underdoing it? What does that look like for me? What, what was my tendency before all this started happening? And what am I doing right now? You know, um, And so uh, you know, I think for some of us, we've channeled this energy into, okay, I'm going to walk out of the quarantine you know, way more fit. And that, so that can be good, but we need to go, man, am I loving myself and the body that I'm in or am I punishing it? Hmm. You know, am I trying to punish discomfort out of myself? You know, am I trying to, you know, almost like kind of just, you know, squash that anxiety as hard as I can, or am I trying to love my body well, you know? And so I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of breath work. 
you know, if you've, if you've never gotten into breath work, um, now is a wonderful time to get into breath work. If you've never gotten into mindfulness or meditation, now is a phenomenal time to get into mindfulness and meditation. And if you've never gotten into yoga, please let me invite you. Now is the time um, to get into yoga. We, in the past three weeks, we have been ushered into the golden age of online content. <laughs> um, I mean, the availability of like even just straight up free, although my friends who are like yoga instructors, they're like, dude, don't stay free. Um, but their availability of wonderful resources online uh, is just, oh man, I mean, it, there's so much stuff. So my encouragement is um, you think through connection wise with people, but you think through connection wise in myself. How do I love my physical body? How do I, you know, learn some breathwork skills? Um, how do I learn some mindfulness and some meditation skills? I know you guys have some great resources connected with the website. How do I connect with possibly some yoga, um, some things that are going to care for my body well? Uh, and and both those threads, those are going to be really helpful things that help keep us grounded and centered. Because what anxiety and fear and trauma do is they make it very difficult to stay grounded and centered in the present, in reality, right? Because I go, man, but what's going to happen in the future? But I should have, I should have sold those stocks in January. What am I going to do in November if I still don't have a job? What are we going to do? You know, and then we start doing all that, like what if scenario stuff, which is totally anxiety at work, like in our body and our mind. So the more we can do some things that help my body feel safe, secure, stable, um, that's going to be huge. And through that door, uh, when we can begin to do that, that is really going to kind of open the door to helping us connect with how we're feeling emotionally. You know, so we get to kind of address like our social self, we get to address like my physical self, and that's going to help me then go way deeper into understanding my emotional self. Yeah. And I think that that, that may be, at least in my mind on this 14th of April, 2020, uh, kind of the silver lining to this is that the lessons that we learn through this are going to be lessons worth sharing as well. And if you are coming from a social circle or maybe even a, a family unit that isn't super open about talking about how you're doing, if they're not really open to, to real talk, odds are they still do need people to show up for them. They still need an outlet. They just don't know how to ask for it. So I, I think this is a great time to start fostering some and cultivating some some habits that can uh, really allow us to be good role models for our coworkers, for our schoolmates and classmates, for our family, that we can, and this is something else that, that we, Aaron, you and I have seen on the road, um, you know, completely independent from the pandemic. Uh, but people are ready to talk about this stuff. They're just normally not ready to be the first person to say the first word. Yeah. So I'd say, man, thank you so much for, for helping us uh, kind of really boldly come to terms with some of what we're feeling right now. Uh, if it's not in this moment, then it was probably sometime this week or this month. And, and we got a, a lot of time in front of us that we can continue to practice a better self-care. But man, I, I love you and I miss you and I can't wait to, to high five uh, or, or hug or grab grab some coffee, uh, hopefully in the near future. Yeah, man. Is there anything that, that you'd like to, to add? I love what you said, um, you know, in terms of that we can kind of model that for people. What I would add to that is like, I think some of the most powerful stuff is some of y'all may hear that and go, okay, I got to like be really healthy and help these people. And I'm like, no, nah. like what, what I love about what you're saying, Chad, is like, 
we kind of just get to go, hey, I'm going to love myself really well and I'm going to invite you to love me well by maybe being vulnerable with, with people that can receive it. You know, some, many of us have people in our lives that, you know, you may, you may have people that are not going to be able to care for you in that. And so we got to do the work of finding people that can, you know, but being able to do the work of going, man, I can be vulnerable. And in me being vulnerable about how this is affecting me, that's going to encourage and free up others, you know, to be vulnerable. Like we are so impacted um, by authenticity you know, and so when we can offer that authenticity to the people around us, you know, we free other people up to be where they're at. And the more free that we are to be honest about what we're feeling, that is going to set us on a path to finding wonderful, healthy ways to cope. That in and of itself is is going to be healing, you know, so th- those are huge steps, man. So I, lo- I love what you're saying there. It's really good stuff. Man, well, thank you so much. And now we clearly haven't solved everything in 45 minutes. But I'm sure we'll, we're close. we'll we came close. <laughs> but uh, but we'll we'll uh, finish it off next time. Yeah. But Aaron, thank you again so much for for finding the time to to chat with us. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, definitely check out our website um, at twloha.com/selfcare. We have a number of resources that speak specifically to this day and age that we're walking through. Uh, so if you have any questions, send us an email. Uh, we'd love to connect with you online through email or through our next uh, Instagram live event. Yeah, yeah. Which and the, and the and the Instagram lives have been great. So if you haven't checked out some of those, jump on those. And you know, I, I would say to, even to echo something I heard Jamie say earlier um, today, like try and remind yourself, man. The, uh, you know, I loved. He said, "Hey, we got to remind ourselves this too shall pass." You know, and and so this period of time, um, we will transition out of it. You know, and, and things may not go back to exactly how they were, um, but but you can make it through this. You totally can make it through this. So find some people that care for you, find some people you can care for, and keep your head up. We hope each episode is a reminder that your story is important. You matter, and you're not alone. We understand that so many of you listening might be struggling or know someone who is struggling with the issues that we've been talking about. We believe that help exists. Part of our mission is to connect people to the help they need and deserve. You can find local mental health resources on our website, tuloha.com. That's T-W-L-O-H-A.com. Click the Find Help at the top of the page. Or if you need to talk to someone right now, you can always connect with our friends at Crisis Text Line. You simply text the word, Twaloha, that's T-W-L-O-H-A, to 741741, and you'll be connected to a trained crisis counselor. It's free, confidential, and available 24-7. And if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, we really hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And if you can do us a favor, we'd really like for you to write us a review. It'll help more people find this podcast and the mission of Twaloha. If you have any feedback or questions, please send us an email to podcast at twiloha.com. A big thank you to our friends at Copeland for the original music on this episode. The Detroit Love and Arms podcast is produced by Mark Codgen with editorial support by Claire Biggs and Rebecca Ebert. Music assistance was provided by James Likeness and Ben Titchener. I'm Lindsay Kolsch. Thank you so much for listening.
To Write Love on Our Arms is a nonprofit movement dedicated to presenting hope and finding help for people struggling with depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. Tuloha exists to encourage, inform, inspire, and also to invest directly into treatment and recovery. You can find more information about To Write Love on Our Arms at twloha.com.